2: Welcome into Friday, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. We are loaded up on uh, the Get You Into the Weekend show. Mark Crail going to be with us in about 15 minutes. Head coach at Los Gatos out in Northern California. Of course, Mr. Schweitzer committing yesterday in Nebraska. We'll talk to his head coach at high school as uh, Mark Crail. Erin Sorensen in about 30 minutes. Get her perspective on... The J.D. Spielman situation and uh, some of the stuff she's been working on for you, the Nebraska fan, for the upcoming Hale Varsity 2020 yearbook. Excited to chat with Aaron. In hour two, how about the Pride of Fairbury? Bill Dolman. So I have it on good authority. Authority. Bill Dolman was uh, shooting a commercial yesterday. Denver mattress or a new one? No, it's a new mattress one. A new mattress one. So I got a... I got a picture of uh one of our spies out there in Donkeyland with uh Billy D and and his name tag says Chris. So I don't know if that's to mock me or what. <laughs> but I I tried to remind him uh, of of the, the movie The Internship, right? Where you had uh Vince Vaughn and the blonde guy that was in Wedding Crashers um uh, Owen Wilson. Um, yeah, there it is. But so they're 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 watch salesmen that they're out of work okay and owen wilson ends up working for will Farrell for like a day at a mattress place selling beds <laughs> so i asked him if he ran into will Farrell recently so point is is billy d's behind the camera or in front of the camera i should say this though in in another actor role so we'll we'll jump in and talk some husker ball with Bill Dolman and for sure spend some time on the uh, the art of of laying on a on a very soft bed next to a blonde
0: yeah i mean he's living life honestly i got to figure out how he gets the job and maybe they need a a young cute face like mine
2: (laughs) (laughs) hi dad go back to your room lars anderson going to be with us, uh contributor to the bleacher report new york times best-selling author we'll get in Do some Nebraska topics with him. And I'm anxious to ask him about Bama's culture. When I think of Iowa, I think of Bama. I think of New England. Not at the same championship level, but just how kind of hushed, buttoned up, my way or the highway type perception there is. So we'll talk to Lars about how things roll with Nick Saban and Bama. And um, so that'll be a good chat with Lars. Numbers to get in, 466-3776, 466-3776, 800-825-5865. You can find us on Twitter, Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Email Chris at com. And we will get into uh, 24-7 sports nationally has kind of come out with their Teams that that missed the top twenty five, but that got some votes, and we'll see and tell you where Nebraska fell in there. Uh, the top twenty five is is not that surprising, so we'll get into that. But I want to start with Iowa and Kirk Ferentz and what was going to happen today at two o'clock. What did you think was going to happen? Not what, what not what were you hoping would happen? Because I know a lot of Nebraska fans right now. We're like, well, get rid of Ferentz. And that may be because you just dislike Iowa, you're annoyed by Iowa, or you think he really was so out of touch from a, do you know what's going on in your program? And we've seen it before, right? You've seen, and it's not even in the same, I'm not trying to get into a a contest, but I'm saying, Kirk Ferentz and what went on when it came to how his black players felt and having no clue is awful. He needs to know how his team feels. He needs to know how his African-American players felt. To me, it sounded like a a communist state, right? A dictatorship. And you need to to be more communicative with your players. You need to know how they feel, how they act, how they want to act. You need to be locked in and plugged in that way versus martial law, okay? And... He got called out for it. You had so many complaints on social media by folks who'd been kept silent that changes had to be made. And the change was, all right, Coach Doyle, you're on administrative leave. Uh, You know, junior Brian Ferentz has been implicated. Are you going to change the way you do things? And there's there's an independent investigation. What did Coach Kirk know and what did he allow to happen? He addressed those today. We'll hear from Coach Ferentz in a moment. But I I believe this. And Adam Rittenberg did a nice job of reporting, reporting from Iowa City. So first and foremost, you've got this news conference with Coach Ferentz. Three players, KV on Merriweather, Keith Duncan, Ivory Kelly, Martin. It got underway. And when it comes to the policy of prohibiting social media work and use, Iowa didn't let guys tweet. Iowa allowed one pre-approved tweet. Now it's, the, the the faucet's open, okay? And when it came to prohibiting players from social media, Farron said, look, man, that was stupid. I did it in a parental way, trying to protect my guys from, What's out there, we saw interaction earlier this week between three former Huskers and someone with a Twitter handle. Guys don't need to take that. The world you live in, you run into people that want to badmouth you, you either respond or you move on and ignore. Harder to ignore, Nebraska, three former guys responded to a, a, a Twitter troll earlier this week. And maybe that was part of Kirk's thinking, Let's just eliminate the problem and and keep it from happening uh versus hey man you're you're a you're an eighteen year old the twenty two year old college student you're you're a grown up or trying to become a grown up through our mentorship so we don't trust you to tweet he probably honestly when push came to shove, he didn't want to jack with the headache mm-hmm. that's that's it don't tell me about parental protection well, wait, wait. i don't think he wanted to, j- to jerk with it at all yeah, and when you think about the, the the world we live in in 2020 college athletes need to know
0: social media especially when they're taking the jump into the if they're going pro you need to know how to use social media for for pro sports and even a lot of jobs nowadays social media is so important so i i think it's it's an archaic rule i'm glad to be uh hearing that it's going away
2: well it, it comes down to individual branding and if you the, the fear is if you open the crack of, of the individual bigger than the team. I mean, the worst case scenario, slippery, slippery slope is, well, someone's not going to do what's best for the team because they're more concerned about themselves as an individual. I get that. But you're dealing with that from the get-go. You just are. Kids are coming out of high school thinking they're the best thing since sliced bread. And you got to get knocked out a peg or several. I think coach Doyle was probably pretty effective at doing that. But how did he get the results? That's what you got to focus on. How are you getting the production? Is it through insults and belittlement and racial undertones and maybe some flat out racist behavior? That can't happen. That can't be allowed. So some folks are thinking coach, coach uh, Kirk Ferentz was done. Was going to get blown out. And I said, "You know what? I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's going to get fired over this." But I think he's had to really stop in his tracks, and we'll see if he's going to be able to be more flexible. He may do this year and retire. Uh, the name Bob Stoops was mentioned. I asked a close friend down in Oklahoma, Would Stoops take the Iowa job? And the response is he'd absolutely listen. Uh, would, would Coach Norvell – I mean, you started getting down to who's next at Iowa. And whether you, you like or respect Iowa, that's up to you as a Nebraska fan or a sports fan. I, I respect the hell out of them because they, they develop and they get guys to the NFL. Now are they going to be more 2.0? Are they going to be like the rest of the, the world? I mean, it's almost kind of like they're their own third-world country with how they went about their locker room and what they did and didn't allow players
0: to do well it felt like such a, a pro sports team right with like the pro sports team when you sign the, the contract you have so many rules that you uh you, you It are, felt like new england yeah i mean you, you hear pro players all the time say oh i can't do that it's in my contract i'm not allowed to go skiing between these months or i'm not allowed to go on my dirt bike between these months and i don't think it you can scale it down to a college program college programs are so different than nfl programs i can see where kirk
2: ferentz is coming from but i can also see why issues have arisen from that he's got to change with the times man and be more modern uh kelly martin the running back ivory kelly martin says communication's been the biggest issue in the program and totally uh, he says that you, you the feeling was you had to walk on eggshells and you couldn't really be yourself uh, if you heard something, you couldn't say it. And when it comes to coaching style, uh, Coach Ferentz touched on the fact that they created anxiety and frustration. It isn't patty cake. It's football. It's tough. There's tough love. But how do you how do you push a button? And you can do it by yelling and screaming. That is effective. Some kids respond to that, and some kids can take it. But you got to know who can take it. And there wasn't a two-way street of dialogue saying, look, Coach, I don't really think it's cool if I'm walking off the field and I'm wearing a stocking hat if you ask me if I'm going to rob a liquor store. Brian Ferentz. That's egregious. That's horrific. (laughs) You can't say that. And you, can't, you sure as hell can't say that if you're the, the, the offensive coordinator or an assistant at a major program. Can't even say that as a joke. Because it isn't funny. So we'll see. The last part here from Rittenberg, and we'll hear from Ferentz in a moment. The, the message today about moving forward, better communication, guidance from former players, and a more welcoming environment for current players. Uh, Ference didn't really address specific allegations, though. He didn't get into the weeds of point by point by point example. So let's hear from Kirk and uh, what he plans to do. He starts off his presser. We don't have a ton of it, but just enough for you uh, when it comes to how the week has been for him, a week in review.
3: As you know, there are serious and troubling comments by many former players about their experience while they're on our team, and it comes at an important time during our nation's history. With what happened to George Floyd and the worldwide reaction to his death, I think it's given all of us a better and deeper understanding of what racism and bias is, and it's already, uh, I think, begun initiative for real change. As a team and as a program, we have a responsibility and a tremendous opportunity at this moment to lead the change and set a new, higher standard for collegiate football.
2: Okay, so that was the opening part of Coach Ference's presser today and the thing that has been good for Iowa and pick a program that maybe too wound tightly, too tightly, at least there's communication now. Guys didn't even feel like they could talk. So it kinda of begs the question, why do kids go to Iowa? Why did African American kids go to Iowa? Well, was it the best offer to some of them? I was made a living and a killing off of three-star guys, two-star guys, small-town guys, you name it. They have found guys, and they have been right. They have been right with, we think you can play... Here's how we're going to get you there, and their formula works. You work your ass off, you get bigger and stronger, you buy into the team. All of that isn't wrong. It sounds very Nebraska-esque back in the day, and what Nebraska's trying to get to today. But when it comes to the communication, they they were scared to talk. You maybe experiences for the for the longest time, man. And my dad like. He was. He is imposing, and he didn't want to piss dad off. But the point of it is, is as I got older, he was so good about being able to talk. Or if he had a problem, you could go to him. These guys didn't even feel like they could go to their coach, or for sure they stayed steered clear of the, the the strength and conditioning guy because he's just gonna browbeat him. And I'm just shocked that they've been as good as long as they have five years i mean we talk about that five-year average win number it, how based on and again just the the, the few folks and past players this goes back 11 12 years i mean we're talking some guys from 07 through 09 and they Iowa's was killing it in the early 2000s and, and they've been really good the last five years were they that miserable yet they still performed so the, the proof was in the performance where they got built up to a level to have a shot in the league. So they persevered through that, not an ideal situation, zero communication. And their end goal was achieved and they put up with it. And they're tired of, of, of putting up with silence where they had no voice or no say. Now, there is still a boss. There are still people in charge. There are still adults in the room. So if you don't do your job, there sure as hell should be consequences. But how do you either hand out that punishment or how do you motivate? That's being finally examined at Iowa. More from Coach Ferentz. Conversations with former players. Do we have time? Okay, let's get that in.
3: Spent every day this past week calling and meet with former players, staff members, and others. And I've heard while our program helped many of them achieve their goals, including some reaching the NFL. The coaching style by some was at times demeaning and created unnecessary frustration and anxiety. One byproduct of that is our black some of our black athletes feeling that they couldn't be themselves in our culture. And to that end, we must be more inclusive and more aware.
2: All right. More on Kirk Ferentz. Mark. Crail up next on Hail Varsity.
1: And we're back. Fellas, so, think we could listen to the radio on
2: Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: Yes! That's awesome!
2: Back to you, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Nebraska getting another commit for 2021. Uh, talented backer, Will Schweitzer. His high school coach uh, for Los Gatos is Mark Crail. Coach Crail joins us on the show. Coach, thanks for a few minutes. How's your Friday?
4: Good so far. Thanks for having me. Hey, pers- exciting time for uh, for Will and for all of us. So yeah, it's great to great. To- spend a bit
2: of time well yeah and uh, nebraska fans really excited i know the nebraska's coaching staff uh pretty impressed with, with with will and you've had a chance to see him uh in his career and as you were able to observe it what what impressions do you have about about will's recruiting process and specifically you know how nebraska was able to to get the the verbal
4: Well, you know, as a player, you know, obviously I've had Will for three years and looking forward to this this fourth year coming up. Hopefully we get on the field and play some football at some point. But, uh, you know, Will's one of those kids that um, just loves the game of football. And from his freshman year, we knew he was going to be something special. And he was uh, with us on the varsity as a sophomore and then obviously again as a junior and and just played played really, really well for us. play tight end as well as linebacker, so the kid's a long snapper, so the kid's not off the field very often. And, um, you know, it, just looking forward, w- we played Will in the middle of our defense. We were a 4-2-5 kind of scheme, and and we wanted Will in the middle of that defense so he could basically run sideline to sideline. And, you know, knowing, though, that projecting out, he's probably going to be more of that hybrid outside linebacker you know, maybe situational pass rush guy. And so, um, you know, really excited for the, the whole process with Will. He's the oldest of three boys, great family. And, uh, you know, it was new to all of them. And, you know, there was there, there was an offer and then another offer, and then all of a sudden there's 17 or 18 offers. And so there was some navigation to do on that. And, you know, in the end, he let me know oh, a couple of weeks ago that Nebraska was his choice. And, and I got to be honest, I was kind of surprised by that. Um, but I, I tell you, the coaching staff did a great job with will. I mean, he's never even been on campus out there or even you know to Lincoln. and so um they did a great job there. I know will's excited, and um, you know the the cornhuskers are getting a a great kid. Um, you know he's a great player, but he's an even better kid. He just uh, he wants to please, he wants to lead, he wants to play hard he's a he's a beast in the weight room. and so you know, just super excited for him and his future and and i got to say, I'm impressed by uh, Nebraska following. I've had papers calling and now radio station calling, <laughs> and I think that's pretty great. So he's headed to a great place.
2: Mark Crayles with us, head coach for Los Gatos, and Will Schweitzer, uh, the newest commit for Nebraska football. I want to go back to something you said. is you, You've had Will uh, for, for four years, and what kind of traits did you see and notice about him even as far back as his freshman year? What popped about him?
4: Well, you know, first of all, his enthusiasm for the game. And I know that, you know, that, that phrase is used a lot, but the kid just loves football. Um, from a coach's standpoint, I think he just flashes on film with the speed that he plays. Um, you know, and as you go up from whatever, Pop Warner to high school to college, it's always that speed factor that seems to get, you know, greater and greater and greater as you go. And I think his, you know, one of his biggest assets is that speed that he plays. I mean, he just plays fast and he 's physical and he 's fearless and so I think that that was a big you know part of the recruiting process for coaches that were watching his film because he doesn 't take plays off and he just he plays super fast and I think that 's one of the things that really you know jumps out with will
2: you know nebraska is is trying to get more athletic they want speed on the field at all positions and I think uh, the way coach Frost and his staff have not only evaluated, but then developed relationships, just covering the team. Uh, I mean, I think they've done a really nice job of, of kind of deep diving on kids, and they want kids who love football, and you're right, that, that mm-hmm. term is thrown around, but from an invest right. from an investment standpoint it's it's kind of a one way street on both sides. They are big on football and they want kids that that feel the same way. Uh, a thought right. here uh, when it comes to to your defense the and the the scheme you have the four two five uh, it, when did you kind of notice you mentioned the speed but will's very versatile for you on defense because he mm-hmm. plays in the mm-hmm. middle for you. And, and he can get sideline to sideline, but also at what point did things pick up for him or was he always pretty natural with his pass rush ability? I mean, I look at his statistics and he's just getting the football, but the the, the sacks and the pressures off the edge. I mean, his length seems right. to be a pretty big asset for him.
4: Right, right. So going back to his sophomore year, when he joined us on the varsity as a sophomore, he played... Um, exclusively at the defensive end spot for us and that was just a natural spot and you know he puts his hand down and he just goes and he was so great but at that point we had some really solid linebackers in the middle of our defense so you know it allowed us to do that when we got to his junior year well those two guys had graduated and so you know you look around and you say all right, who are are the athletes where can we put them to you know best suit our defense and so you know we approached Will in the spring of his junior year and said hey we're thinking about playing, you know, inside on the weak side. You can still, you know, do some things, you know, or in run game, play sideline to sideline. Because in high school, you know as well as I, if you put a kid at a defensive end that's a dominant player, well, teams are going to run the other way, or right. they're going to they're going to check with me at the line, and you know, change the direction or whatever. So, you know, this way we were able to utilize his athleticism, you know, in a, in a way that we thought was beneficial for the team. And to Will's credit, he never balked. You know, if you asked him right now, he'd say, I want to play defensive end or outside linebacker, you know. But he he stood his ground in the middle there and played great for us and never, you know, never complained, never, you know, put himself ahead of the team, and that was great. And, you know, at the end of our year last year, we got into the playoffs and we were kind of making a run for championship. We actually, in some past situations, put him back on the line of scrimmage and let him rush, and he... He played great in that, you know, in that position at that point as well. And it wasn't something that, you know, we did a lot early in the year. But as you got to the playoffs, you're playing better teams, obviously. And so, you know, we had a couple of guys that we could bring in the middle in past situations and put him up on the line, and it worked out really well for us. So, you know, I think that, that versatility that he has is what's so attractive, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I think he's a guy that could play, you know, in a 3-4 scheme that outside linebacker and cover the flats and be a run force guy, but also, you know, in a situation that nickel or dime, you know, be that rush end. And I think that, you know, that was a big part of, of, you know, the attractiveness with Will. I, you know, when you can do that with a guy and not have to change personnel, that's pretty good, you know? So I think that he's going to bring that to, uh, Nebraska
2: football. A couple more minutes. Mark Crail with us. Hale Varsity Radio head coach at Los Gatos, Will Schweitzer, his player that is part of Nebraska's 2021 20, class. And coach, uh, a thought here. You mentioned the versatility and you also touched on the leadership and kind of give me a look-see about Will's personality on the field and Will's personality off the field, how he's able to, to kind of lead in both instances and and why do you think he's why what's made him such a good leader and what are a couple of examples of his leadership if you don't mind
4: no not at all you know if we start with off the field the, the kid's a great student and if you ask any one of his teachers over the last three years they would say just that and that he's fun to have in class that he's articulate that he's he participates you know and so, you know, that that part of it, I, I'd say he's probably a leader in the classroom as well. You know, if there's a discussion going on in a particular class, uh, he's going to have his hand up, he's going to be taking part in that discussion, and, and uh, the kid's always smiling. You know, he's a happy kid, which is really fun. Then you get him in the weight room, or you get him on the field, and, you know, the good ones have that switch, so to speak, right? And you can just see they go from kind of happy-go-lucky to focused and intense, and I think that's what we see it with Will, you know, and if you watch you watch him play, it's infectious the way he runs around and he's he's hooting and hollering and having a great time and and you know celebrating his teammates big plays, which to me is a what a leader does, right? It's not always about them, it's about, you know, picking up the teammates when when either they've done something really well or maybe when they did something poorly and they need that that pat on the back. And so that's that's the player that Will is and it's just super fun to Coach, and you know to to know this kid. It's been it's been a great time. I, I said to one of the other guys, you know, all the boxes are checked as well. There's no there's nothing hidden. He's just getting a, you're getting a great kid that's going to play hard. He's going to work hard in the classroom. Never going to be an issue off the field. And you know, I'm happy for uh, Coach Frost and and the, the Huskers.
2: Coach, uh, a thought with uh, Nebraska and Nebraska's brand and. For years, Nebraska went to California and still go to California to get kids. They've gone Southern California, and they've done Northern California. Uh, How is the, the Nebraska brand, as we talk in 2020, in in your region and in other parts of California, if, if you can even answer that? But, you know, how's the, the Frost Nebraska received out west?
4: Well, it's interesting, you know, because the tradition at Nebraska going all the way back to Coach Osborne has been so great, right? And then, you know, they had they, some times that weren't great. And then I know when Coach Frost came in, there was just this awesome optimism and he had a great run, you know, elsewhere. And so they brought him in and, and you know, the hopes are high. And I, I think that, you know, my perspective in California, and I talked to Will about this kind of general dynamic, is you want to go somewhere where the stability of the coaches are intact, right? And I think... You know, again, I'm not right there, but I think from our perspective, you know, I think that Coach Frost is there's stability there, and I think he's going to be there. And, and that's big because, you know, you want to play for the coaches that recruit you. And so um, I, I, I'm just I'm very positive. I feel great about the direction that they're going, and I think Will's going to be a, a real contributor to that. And, and I mentioned earlier, you know, the coaches did a great job with Will you know, in a difficult recruiting time, right? And yeah. they couldn't come out to meet him personally. And so it was a lot of, you know, conversations, you know, in other ways. And yet they sold him on the program. And I know Will spoke to Coach Frost, you know, on a few occasions and was super impressed with what he had to say. And, you know, and so I think, you know, the kid's never been out there, but I think he's super excited to get out there and to be a part of it. And so I think he'll do a great job.
2: Mark Crail is with us here, head coach at Los Gatos. Will Schweitzer in for Nebraska at that outside linebacker hybrid spot for 2021. Coach, best to you, and thanks for a few minutes with us.
4: You bet. Good luck to the Huskers. I'm a, I'm a new fan going forward, let me tell you. Thanks very
2: much. Good stuff from Coach Crail on Will Schweitzer. Good info and insight and a little bit uh, more of a profile on the outside linebacker hybrid for Nebraska. Reminder about drunk driving. Well, first and foremost, don't do it. One out of three fatal crashes involves an impaired driver. Drunk buster, high driving, never acceptable. Designate a driver. Pre-select to be smart. Start the conversation. Who's Driving Home, brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Aaron Sorensen next. Bill Dolman, Lars Anderson coming up Hour 2 with Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back to it, Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to Aaron Sorensen of HailVarsity.com and Magazine, at Aaron Sorensen on Twitter. Aaron, how's your Friday?
5: It's good, just trying to stay cool. We got a little bit of a break, and now it's right back into the swing of summer, which is perfect for what should have been the start of the College World Series, not to, like, make anyone sad. But this is always that week where you never get away without a good stretch of 90-degree weather days when the CWS rolls around. We're still getting that weather, just no CWS.
2: Man, it's it's disappointing, but uh, it'll be that much better next year, Let's Hope, right?
5: I hope so. And it'll be such like you think of, especially with the opening ceremonies, it's, you just think of how sweet all of these things these things when they return are going to be and just how much more appreciative, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. It's like sometimes you can take these things for granted. People certainly will not be taking it for granted when it rolls around next year.
2: Aaron, I can't wait to, to see your work uh, with the yearbook this year. Man on the Covers, DiCaprio Boodle. That's your feature story, your cover story. What can folks expect? Give us a little tease here.
5: Yeah, you know, what actually started as, not to give too much away, but uh, when I started talking to him last all about what ultimately became this feature, it all really originated from a backpack, which sounds kind of odd. He had a backpack that I've been telling him for the better part of a year and a half or so that I really liked. As a result of that, I asked him questions, and those questions led to how he got the backpack and then the relationships that he's built with current teammates, former teammates, who he is. And it was a story that as I started to kind of just ask those questions, I realized I want this to be more than just I want this to be something it felt like a yearbook story and I I think for us a, a yearbook story is always when it I don't know it's hard to explain but it just felt like that's where it, it belonged and where it needed to be and we get a different perspective now on a story that people know well which is his recruitment and how Nebraska offered him after a satellite camp but we get to now relive that through the eyes of his dad and one of his brothers and through his own eyes at that time and actually some a former member of Nebraska staff offers up just some input. So, I mean, we get to know him in a way that like hindsight always provides a lot of perspective. That's kind of cool now to think like a story that, you know, four four or five years ago would have been told very differently. 2015, you're now getting to see it in a different light with hindsight. So, People will hopefully get to know him a little bit better, know him beyond just the player on the field. Because the one thing I took away from every single person I talked to is, as good of a football player as DiCaprio Boodle is, he is a better person. When you ask people for feedback on him, just give me one line about him. They can't put, they can't summarize him up. They can't sum him up in one line. So I don't want to ramble. I'm really excited about it. People are going to, people hopefully will get a, an opportunity to just know him beyond the football field
2: which is what i'm excited about. Aaron Sorensen's with us from Hale varsity City at Aaron Sorensen on Twitter. Uh another feature coming up in the yearbook uh kind of a behind the curtain real talk, right? Josh Mitchell and and some of his mates talking about the world. Mhm.
5: Yeah, you know, um Josh has always been and anyone who knows Josh Mitchell, if you follow him on twitter he's he's very passionate he he is not afraid to share how he feels about a scenario, and we had the opportunity uh Brandon Vogel and I to start a conversation with him that was was really, really great um he he just he helped us see even in how we cover uh, players and the, we tell these stories, which is something that means so much to us. You just heard me say, I want people to know DiCaprio Boodle beyond just the football player. I want people to know him as the person as well. And those those stories mean so much to us. It's the exact reason why Greg wanted to go after the story on Wandale and to go beyond just Wandale, the football player. And those those things mean so much to us that even we can always be better and we can really understand um, and we understand that we can we can we can always do more and to be as inclusive as we can, to provide a platform and a place where multiple voices can be heard. And so Josh is going to be featured in the twenty twenty Hale Varsity yearbook with some of his former teammates, having having conversations having a conversation about what's what's very real right now for them when you talk about all of the protests, um, the the topic of police brutality and systemic racism and um just the things that they even experience themselves as athletes and it, it's it's a conversation that i I'm, I'm excited for hill varsity listener or of radio listeners who also subscribe mm-hmm. to the but i'm excited for people to have it and to spend some time with it because it's again another it's a really good story and they're, they're sharing their hearts. They're sharing their experiences and anyone who's willing to spend a little bit of time with it, I I promise you will walk away with it with a a different perspective on just the things that they have, they have lived and experienced. And that's all we can ask with any story that we tell and anything we include in these um, and any issue that we put out is that people just have maybe a different understanding or they see somebody a little bit differently than maybe they had before. or They hear a different Perspective and so um, yeah'm I'm, I'm excited for people to have that opportunity to hear them because again it goes beyond just it goes beyond just sports, which again, there's plenty of football in the yearbook. trust me, people are going to be just like it's it's the yearbook like it's plenty of football, but it's also if you want a little bit more beyond just that, you want to dive into the heart of a team and the heart of its players and the people who make this thing go. Josh's story and what he did with his teammates to tell this story is, is just as much a part of that as anything else.
2: Aaron, about a minute and a half here, but uh, does JD Spielman play football again?
5: I feel like he does. I I really do. I don't know where he ends up. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know if that means a supplemental, you know, draft into the NFL. I, I, I wish I had the answers there, but I I don't think we've seen the last of JD on a football field. And I'm sure that will sting for some people, but I do think he plays football again. I, I We've seen him working out. Um, he shared stuff on his Instagram stories of him still continuing to work out, especially with uh, Keith Williams and some of his players that continue to work out with him. So I don't think it's the last we see of him. As for what that means and where he surfaces, that's a little bit harder to answer. <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, last thought here, Aaron Sorensen's with us. Were you surprised at his response? I know he got trolled a little bit on Twitter this week.
5: You know, I think this actually is a really good point to go back to what you talked about with Josh's story and what's going to be in the yearbook. Is it, it remembering that these are these are people just as much as as anything else? Like, I think it's really easy to get focused on them as athletes and knowing that. It, we love to tell people just ignore it, just ignore it. Don't don't listen to the haters. Don't listen to people saying these things. But when it's when it's thrown in your face so much, especially when you're on social media, it can be really hard. And so, I guess I'm not surprised because he he is a pretty, you know, he is pretty outspoken when he when he wants to be on a variety of topics. And when it came to his own, like I, I don't think he wanted to go out with essentially his character being presented in one way. So he wanted to speak up. And so I'm not super surprised, but it, I think it's a good reminder for any of us that when these things happen, he is a human, he is a person, and he's reacting to the things that have been said to him. And that doesn't mean people, I don't know. It's so hard because it's easy. We just say, oh, just ignore it. But sometimes you can't. And I, I think he just couldn't.
2: Aaron Sorensen. Aaron, awesome stuff. Can't wait to, to read your work. And thanks for a few minutes.
5: Of course, I'm really excited for people to see this yearbook. Trust me, every story in it is really fantastic. This this staff continues to just impress me every single year. They somehow they somehow get better every single time. We say let's challenge to be the best, and they do it. So I'm really excited.
1: And now, and
5: now
2: back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. We are in with the Pirate next week. Mike Leach will be joining us. Excited for that. It, it, tell me it's a Monday, Wednesday, or a Friday, because I think
0: Damon's in Tuesday and Thursday.
2: I think, uh, I think Thursday.
0: <sighs> you
2: guys got Wednesday. That's, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll be a good time. We are uh, off to defend our media title at the Pinnacle Bank Championship. Next Wednesday. When I say we, I mean Jay Moore. Mm. Uh, Gorman and me and Christian and (laughs) black shirt Jay Moore, brother. You guys won last year? Yeah. We won the whole freaking thing.
0: Uh, uh, I'm not sure back to back. I don't know. Dude. You you haven't spent that much time golfing this
2: spring, though. I've golfed every day, every Saturday, Sunday. Okay. Let's not kid ourselves that I'm any importance to the team. (laughs) I'm not. It's about the black shirt. It's about Jay Moore. <laughs> Jay Moore's phenomenal. You're just there to drink and crack some jokes? I, no, I mean, I, I'm there to... <laughs> Moral support? <laughs> if, if, if someone re uh, reenacts Happy Gilmore and drives uh, onto the course with a Volkswagen, screaming, jackass, to knock him out, God forbid, then we lose. And Gorman's a hell of a golfer, so is Christian. I just... Yeah. You're the bodyguard. You'll hop in the lake and there's gators around and need to get the golf ball. <laughs> we'll just elbow him. Uh, I want to tell you about your friends at West Blue Realty. And uh, they can take care of that move for you in 2020. And they specialize in residential home sales in Lincoln and surrounding communities. They'll make this next move a smooth one for you. You mentioned Hale Varsity. They can help you out with uh, $1,000 off the closing of your next home purchase. Tom Luby. Gets it done with West Blue Realty, 402-540-3768. Kelly Hoffschneider, there to help. Kelly does a great job at 402-202-2312 is uh, what you do to dial up Kelly Hoffschneider, Tom Luby, westbluerealty.com. They're located 1120 K Street, Suite 200. So the bad news to give you here on a Friday before 5 is that the Salt Dogs season has been canceled that announcement coming down and uh, our dear friend charlie meyer very disappointed we can't play we've been monitoring the pandemic from the beginning and after discussing various contingency plans with our league partners we arrived at the conclusion that we would not be able to provide professional baseball for our fans in lincoln this year now more than ever we can't wait to see fans back at the ballpark for celebrating the 20th season of of salt dogs baseball in 2021 it's a bad deal man that's yeah, a stupid pandemic love taking junior to salt dog games
0: yeah and a last, oh, last summer i was studio hosting for those salt dogs games so I, I got accustomed to listening to my salt dogs games in the evenings and here i'm a little disappointed i won't get that this year just maybe cross our fingers maybe we'll get some mlb this year
2: dude they are gonna play chicken until they run into each other and they're both down for a 10 count I'm kind of over baseball.
0: Well, Have you heard about the drama with the NBA now? Where, where players aren't really f- feeling too happy about going down and, and being Being sequestered in. in
2: Disneyland?
0: Yeah. And there, the, the story today was that uh, it was from Woj. Uh, and he said that one of the players texted him. They, they said, well, with all that's going on in the country right now, should we use our voice to go play basketball or should we use our voice to go make some change? So that's that's one of the new things that the uh, NBA players are discussing right now.
2: It's a valid point. Mm-hmm. Valid point, and, you know, we all make fun of Griswold for punching the moose. Watch out Mickey and Minnie. I'm stuck there for 60 days. Bill Dolman's next. Welcome to an hour two. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Lars Anderson coming up in about 30 minutes. We'll chat with Lars. We welcome him. He is the pride of Fairbury. He is with NBC Sports. He is an accomplished actor. We say hi to Bill Dolman at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Billy D. How are you? Well, I'm uh, I'm coming down off of yesterday's uh, performance,
6: uh, one of the most physically demanding and grueling of my career. And uh, today's been kind of a day to, you know, relax and, and bask in what I was able to accomplish yesterday.
2: You know, I've got to ask you, you need to explain to the Husker fans in Nebraska and listening online just... This grueling work. Some may have assumptions. Others need to know the truth of your work in front of the camera. Well,
6: you know, uh, I've been blessed that, in, you know, when I'm not working uh, for NBC, which is a blessing in its own right, um, that I've been a part of, oh, probably well over four or five uh, Denver mattress and furniture row commercials over the last couple of years. And Uh, You may know me from such roles as Guy Laying on Mattress, Um, but that's it. And uh, yesterday, uh, I was Guy selling mattresses and furniture in what will be one of the new Furniture Road Denver Mattress commercials, and the role I played yesterday was that of Chris, Mm. the uh, furniture sales guy.
2: Were you inspired at all by the movie, The Internship, where... Owen Wilson had to work for a guy like Will Ferrell.
6: No, no, I, 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 I channeled another guy that I know by the name of Chris, and I, I utilized that inspiration for the way I played the role yesterday, hmm. and it was kind of a cross between uh, Paul Blart Mall cop and and uh, John Candy at Wally World, and uh, I really thought I nailed. The uh, inspiration that you are—I mean, uh, the Chris that I know—gave me.
2: See, and and I, I guess I'll I'll take that. But both guys are. I've I've been working on my waistline. All right, so I'm, I'm not <laughs> I'm not in John Candy mode, early '80s, nor am I Paul Blart, uh, roaming around. So you didn't try and in in mock my marble tones like you usually do when I see you.
6: No, no, that wasn't really necessary for the role since it was a uh, a non-speaking role. uh <laughs> yeah, said furniture salesman. Um, I did I did kind of tap into a little Barney Fife there, but uh, not 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 so much.
2: I love it. Bill Dolman's with his actor and uh, of course <laughs> uh, sportscaster extraordinaire with NBC Sports at Bill Dolman on Twitter. Bill, I mean. The uh, the work is good. We have posted the picture of you uh, playing the Chris uh, for the mattress commercials. Oh no, good. There you go, and and that's good. And you look thrilled that you're you're uh, you're named Chris for a day.
6: Uh, <laughs> yeah, good. I don't know how you deal with it, but
2: nevertheless, <laughs> let's talk some football here, and and a lot to get into. Uh, I'll get your take on Iowa and and Ferenc and and in that in a moment, but. Uh, JD Spielman officially uh, in the transfer portal, and uh, I know you you still follow Nebraska quite a bit. JD responding this week to a a Twitter troll along with two other former Nebraska wideouts, and it, it's a different world, and it's been that way with social media for a while now. And uh, both both uh, former wideouts and JD had had, had enough of this particular Nebraska guy questioning them, and they responded. And I guess I don't blame the guys for doing it. Hard to take the high road all the time. But as far as Nebraska's offense, are you optimistic about what Nebraska, I guess, has coming in at the wide receiver spot and the offense in general? Because as weird as this year has been with COVID and everything, uh, there are – there are expectations, and there's a track record of offensive success under Frost when he's been called in place.
6: Well, I think you have to be optimistic, given what the, uh, no, it's a, it's a recruiting class, and we don't know how good they're going to be until two to four years from now. But based on what you have uh, coming in, um, it would appear, as though, they have restocked that position reasonably well. Omar Manning was the number one receiver recruit in the country. Okay, so that would seem to be a plus. Um betts, uh Alante Brown apparently is was maybe one of the the great gems of the class of twenty twenty. Um is is it gonna hurt Nebraska to not have JD Spielman? Absolutely. Uh but you go back a year ago and you know I I seem to Uh, It seemed to me that Wondell Robinson was much more of a target in the passing game than Spielman was. Now maybe he was hurt. I don't know. Uh, Maybe that has something to do with Martinez and his shoulder that, you know, the deep routes weren't there and you had to go a little to the shorter routes. I don't know, but it would seem to me that that room is probably better off as a whole than it was uh, a year ago. Um, You know, it's, it's sad to see a guy leave at this stage of his career But I say it week in and week out. When guys leave, if you don't want to be here, then it's next man up. And if that next man happens to have just turned 18, then so be it. Uh, You know, you bring in another guy like uh, Will Nixon, um, who's who's a football savvy guy. His dad's a football coach. So it's not as though you're bringing in somebody in that regard who may not, you know, who, who will probably acclimate himself pretty well into what Nebraska's trying to do, and maybe he'll be somebody that they can rely upon. But it seems to me there's a lot more depth uh, at receiver than there was in the past. There are going to be more targets. Uh, I think Hickman moving out there is is a great option uh, for Nebraska. But it's disappointing that that JD is leaving at this stage of his career. It was an, he was an exciting recruit when he came in, and he proved to be a, you know every bit as good I think as what people had hoped he would be. Uh, the unfortunate thing in this whole aftermath is that you do have somebody who doesn't follow the rule of uh, what I, I have a rule of 99 when it comes to Twitter,
2: mm-hmm.
6: write a tweet, read it 99 times, and then delete it. Okay. I think Twitter you is and one J.J. Of the, Watt, right? <laughs> it is. It's the rule of what I, I think it is the worst thing that has come upon this society, no matter what Avenue of this culture, it, it's just awful. You know, I I remember back in the day when you could read three or four letters to the editor, you know, and in a comment section and people had their name on it. That's the only way it got published. And now, you know, I've been a victim of of people putting stuff on the Internet that I know was completely uh, untrue. And there's no name to it. Um, And I I just wish that there was people had more sense in the way they they use it, and especially when they decide that they're going to target Somebody, I don't care if he's a twenty-one-year-old man who's a football player or a fifty-one-year-old guy who's a I just, mm. just get off it, you know. My my big source, my my big uh, plays with Twitter, catch World Cup biathlon on NBC Sports <laughs> Tuesday morning at three a.m. You know, catch Olympic archery. Da 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 da. Otherwise, I think it is just one of the worst things that's come upon our society in the last, well, obviously 13 years now that's been in existence.
2: Bill Dolman's with us, Pride of Fairbury, NBC Sports, Hale, Varsity Radio, and accomplished actor uh, joining (laughs) us here on uh, Friday edition. So i got to ask you about your reaction to to what's happened with Iowa. Former players, speaking of Twitter, got vocal on Twitter about their treatment, how they had to walk on eggshells, and it was kind of a, a silent experience where guys didn't feel like they could be themselves and the uh, strength and conditioning coach is on leave uh uh big brian has been implicated too with how he's treated kids and talked to kids of of color and ferentz had his presser today and and he's got a advisory committee called and, and he's going to try and, and move forward and i think kirk's a, a good coach i was kind of a no nonsense no bs program but there wasn't a lot had of no fr-
6: championships
2: right there wasn't a lot of freedom uh for guys so that they, they want more of their voice heard so that being said i didn't think he was going to lose his job that's that's the head coach uh He'll, he'll end up changing. What, what's your reaction to, to what's gone on this week with Iowa?
6: Well, I was surprised when I uh, read Steve Sippel's column today. Yeah. Um, th- that was the one that was probably the most illuminating to me because you know out here in Colorado where they don't really know anything about football other than the Broncos. Um, so the story's not gotten a, a ton of play, uh, especially given the, the climate in, in our country right now. Um, I, I, I'm I'm floored that this has been percolating really hasn't even been percolating it's just been a, a cultural thing apparently in Iowa for years because what uh, Chris Doyle has been there for 21
2: yeah i mean they used to put guys um, in the
6: league you know so for however long this has you know been going on uh that's that's what's really surprising to me now it, it's i think it's healthy if that's what's going on at Iowa, it has been for decades. Then it's it's good that it's come to the fore. It's good that it's being addressed. And uh, again, I read Steve's column today, and I was really, you know, kind of shocked to where that situation is, and as fast as it has progressed to the point where Kurt Ferris may lo- may no longer be at Iowa, no matter no matter how much he he hopes to be there or thinks he's going to be there, you know, he may just be. Uh, whistling into a waterfall right now with all these things that he thinks he's going to, to do and implement. And I, I, I don't, I don't want to compare it necessarily to, you know, the whole situation with Joe Paterno at Penn state, but, you know, back when that whole thing with Jerry Sandusky came to the forefront after many, many years, but there was that, you know, there was that period of time where you went from, you know, how's this going to affect Joe Paterno to, Oh my God! Is Joe Paterno going to keep his job? And they, you know, and the guy was like eighty something. Yeah. And they said, "Well, I'm going to make you know changes or whatever." And it became obvious that that's not going to happen. And within you know weeks, Paterno's out of a job. And there's 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 a certain feeling to that. And again, I don't want to make the a comparison between you know the, the problems at the two institutions. I'm just talking about the expediency of the of the the situation that the coach finds himself in from an allegation to what are you going to do about it to what are you going to do now? And meaning now that you're gone and, you know, paternal gone and Ference. no matter how much he says, I'm addressing it and I'm making these calls and this is what we're going to do. It uh, may not, it may not matter. He may be gone.
2: Bill Dolman's with the sale of city radio, that's, I, I think you're right it's kind of it's completely apples oranges between paterno or trestle or, or I
6: mean, throw you know, trestle's another one throwing patino at Louisville right. you know uh that here's an allegation uh, that happened and it's like well Rick's too powerful uh to have anything done to him and and then within you know a month or whatever it was he, he's gone and uh, so i I'm just looking at the situation with the coaches from the time an allegation is made to to how it ends up and how quickly it does that, you know, in, in certain aspects, uh, when you're dealing with, you know, cultural things like that, cultural problems, you know, maybe nobody is above the law. Now, you can look at the NCAA and college basketball and all that's gone on with the pollution in that sport with Sean Miller and Bill Self and all of these coaches, you know, that violated NCAA rules, and they're just dragging this out for... You know, what three years now? They are. But when you're talking about something that is outside, what's what's transpiring on a court, or in a recruiting living, a recruit's living room, you know, you you can be gone quick, no matter what you're saying publicly.
2: You can you can, and and it's all about standing and climate and where you at, and and coaches have been shown the door for some serious things. Do guys end up playing for Ferentz. Does his is, is now now open door policy is willingness to communicate? Does the do, do guys hold on to that? And does Iowa are they affected by this negatively, or do they kind of rally and galvanize and, and have a good twenty twenty?
6: No, I think I, no, I think they're, this is going to be something that's going to be with them, no matter what happens to uh, to Ferentz for this year. If he's gone, you're still going to have some lingering effects. Uh, if he stays, it's probably going to be, you know, have a large impact, I think, on, on what transpires with the program. I, I think what's critical for him is whatever goodwill and relationships he's built up with all of his players, no matter their background and ethnicity, uh, if there's some goodwill that he can get back. Uh, from whatever it's been, 26 years, and uh, and can get you know some some positive feedback maybe, and uh, which apparently you know he's he's been reaching out to former players. But if if there's not a uh, a universal you know standing behind him, I I, I think it's going to be very very difficult. You know, obviously you 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 think back to the situation and Nebraska's gone through a lot of you know turnover with its coaches. But if you go back to the the, the 40 years of Devaney and Osborne uh, I'm not going to say everything was 100% perfect with the culture at Nebraska but I think Nebraska tried to do the best by all of its athletes and, and be fair to everybody and I think that if you know coaches had to pick up the phone and and, and you know get feedback from everybody that played you would probably get Pretty you know universal, universal you know uh, feedback that you know Nebraska, was fair and square and treated everybody, you know, with respect.
2: Bill Dolman's and with if, us. And if
6: coaches and if coaches didn't do it, you know, they they're they're probably they probably weren't around very long. And you know, again, getting back to the Spielman thing and and, and coaches' relationships, I, I wonder if his you know him him leaving has something to do with Troy Walters no longer being around, and and that goes back to the conversation that we've had in the past with. Uh, I think it was last week when we talked about, you know, Nebraska having some stability now in the program with Scott and coaches who are loyal to him and they've been around together and the longevity of coaches that were around, you know, Coach Osborne for so many years, that longevity on the staff and building relationships. But when, you know, Walters goes and you see the impact the, uh, an assistant coach has on the athletes as to whether or not they're going to stay.
2: Bill, I'm up against it. Brother, thank you for jumping on. That was awesome stuff. Can we get you back Friday?
6: Yeah, absolutely, and uh, thank you again for the inspiration on selling mattresses yesterday.
1: And we're back. You so, think we could listen to the radio? On Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
2: Yes, that's awesome. Back to it. Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's uh, welcome in Lars Anderson with us. And uh, can find Lars on Twitter at LarsAnderson71. <laughs> New York Times best-selling author, 10 books and counting, professor at uh, Alabama and co-host of the Jay Barker Show, Bleacher Report contributor, 20-plus years at SI. Lars, who's in the background there, man? that's uh, Is that the little man?
7: <laughs> it is the little man Lincoln, named after my hometown, as you know. And, uh, yeah, I took him into the radio show today, decided to... Uh, have him uh have him join me and uh i tried to get him belt out a go big red at the end of the show <laughs> to jay and then that and i do when we do it with trent richardson as well but he, he instead he belted out a roll tide so i i'm losing the fight here i need to get him to i need to get him to memorial stadium to a game so he appreciates just how, how amazing it is
2: well, as soon as my kid starts wearing Nebraska red again, I'll expect yours to start wearing Nebraska red again. And, you know, uh, let's start with Nebraska, and we'll kind of get your take on, on Kirk Ferentz and his presser today and kind of the, the the culture around college football now and, and how uh, things have changed and changed for the better in the wake of uh, being more aware and, and socially conscious with you know how the country's been the last couple of weeks. But with Nebraska, the, the week started with uh, the, the official announcement of J.D. Spielman's departure. Uh, that's not anything that's earth-shattering from an expectation standpoint. A lot of us didn't think J.D. was coming back, but you see Nebraska from afar. What's it look like to you as far as when Nebraska loses their best guy, at least on paper,
7: I mean it. It doesn't look good, you know. Um, I, I don't know the inner workings of what's going on in the locker room or in the program or how much how much the kid loves football and how much he was committed to playing. But just on paper, you know, you got you got a player who is uh, three three years in a row, I believe, 800 yards plus receiving. Probably going to be, you know, the top top threat coming back for next year, and he's gone. And uh, just from a national perspective, it doesn't doesn't look good. You know, it's just it's just this perception that um, that the, the, that that Scott Frost doesn't have the program on the rails, right? Like, and uh, and and Scott hasn't done anything so far to uh, to sort of indicate that things are getting turned around and they're getting better, and I know he still needs time, but um boy, last year was just wildly disappointing, and now uh just this news so it's kind of just comes out of nowhere, right uh, at least you know again i I'm, I'm in I'm in birmingham alabama i'm not there every day like you are chris so um you know, it just—it uh, was a bit of a, a head scratcher, and I, I heard from a couple national college football writers who I'm friends with, and they're just like, "Man, more evidence that that Scott <laughs> Scott's got some problems." Uh, and but I, I, I again, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's just what uh, some national writers are saying.
2: You know, and and that that that's a that's a look from a national perspective, I think this year for Nebraska could be really good. Will it show with nine wins, with eight wins? I don't know. Based on their schedule, it's it's pretty tough close. I think they're going to be better. And and I think there's more guys that, that are in that, that are going to be contributing that are are probably all in versus maybe halfway in, halfway out. And, again, J.D. never spoke to anybody. So I think his on-field play was phenomenal. I think he was a tough, tough, tough dude. But you need more than J.D. as well. They recruited. They ended up signing the the number two receiver core group in the country if you look at recruiting numbers. So there's some talent there. Uh, Despite COVID, you know, everyone's kind of playing behind the eight ball so to speak with the with the the development now i think nebraska will will surprise this year not necessarily with a win total but i think with a a a four quarter effort that that i mean nebraska lost a lot of games the last two years that, that they could have won i think you'll see that flip i think you're seeing more progress uh you'll see more progress towards uh towards what's maybe expected a, a season ago that's kind of where I'm at I'm hearing good things about what they've got uh, uh, in the cupboard
7: well yeah I mean uh I, I don't know. Been hearing that for a lot, a couple of years. <laughs> you know, sure. I, I don't know, Chris. Uh, and, and at some point, it's just like put up or shut up. Um, nope. Yep, you need you need and on and field and performance it's, it's, for sure. They, they, they definitely do, and, and they need they need their quarterback to play at a much higher level than he did last year.
2: Totally agree. And
7: uh, and uh, I mean, I think that's the key for everything. And not really sure why he regressed. Last year, um, you know, he was one of the, what, in the top, Adrian Martinez was uh, the, the top five mentioned under the Heisman the Heisman candidate, a local radio show guy here um, who's really well-known in, in Alabama, thought Nebraska was going to be a surprise team in the country and, and sneak up and win the Big Ten, and Adrian Martinez was going to win a Heisman Trophy. And, uh, you know, that became, Nebraska came a little little bit short of that. Um uh, and I, and I think people are starting to question, I mean, I, I hate to say it, you know, but uh, people are starting to question Scott Frost and his ability to build a program just because you, you see, especially where, where I live here in Alabama, in year two, Nick Saban had his team uh, in the ACC championship. You know, in year three, he won the national championship largely with Mike Shula's players, and I know that that sort of turnaround like doesn't happen, like you know, it, that is super rare. But it's it, it, it. But it really was mentality, right? And uh, and I've talked to Greg McElroy, who was the quarterback on that 2009 national championship team, many times, and. And it was just uh, it was it was a mindset, and it was just a toughness that was grilled into them by by Nick, and that's why he was able to change things around so quickly. And you had to remember, like you know, he he wasn't hired until January one or two, and he was able to put together a decent recruiting class his first year. But he basically did every. He won that first national championship, got to that first SEC championship game. With Mike Shula's players, to a, a, a team that had gone, I think, six and seven the year before, and uh, and so you know, when I talk to my friends about Nebraska, they just don't understand why Frost uh, can't pull a Saban, and and I and I get it, you know, that very few can, but um, you know, I, I would certainly label Scott's first two years as as a, as a huge disappointment.
2: Lars Anderson's with us, Hail Varsity Radio at Lars Anderson 71. Let's talk, Sabin, and in the wake of what's kind of gone on at Iowa, a lot of social media outrage beginning of the week, former players being very vocal about how they felt they were treated and how they had to, to act while they were at Iowa. And I look at Sabin and Ference, and they were on the same staff with Belichick at Cleveland. I, I look at this New England tree, right? Just as far as how the Patriots are on, how kind of buttoned down Bama is, how buttoned down Iowa has been, and Ferenc is, you know, ready for change and more acceptance and it's not gonna be so hard nosed, demeaning, belittling. I mean that that is gonna change. That was at least the message today with the presser and, and more more communication. How how is the, the the culture specifically at Alabama? Yes, they win. Yes, they put guys into the NFL. Yes, they do it at a higher level than most programs. But when it comes to the the inner workings, at least your experience with Saban, how, how is the, the the culture in Alabama as far as player treatment and? being a, a tough love guy versus a guy that's screaming at another player. I mean, you get what I'm asking with just how, yeah. he, go, how he goes about getting the results.
7: Well, um, I think it was last week. Uh, it was Dominic Foxworth uh, on ESPN really criticized Sabin for the statement he put out in wake of everything that mm-hmm. had happened. And, you know, Saban uh, used a quote from Martin Luther King Jr., And um, and he was criticized for that. But the thing is, like you know, we've had player after player on on our radio show um, just talk about actions speak louder than words. You know, Nick and the university paid for a lot of money to have Kobe Bryant come speak to the team and about what happened and 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 real a real talk about the mistakes Kobe had made in Colorado. Mike Tyson came and talked to the team and the mistakes he had made in Indianapolis. And they have all sorts of uh, a different uh, sort of people from the black community, uh, black leaders come and talk to the team and try to educate them as much as possible. And, um, you know, again, one of my partners is, is Trent Richardson, yeah. who th- considers Nick like a, a second father. And, um, you know, Nick is more about uh, the deeds and not, not the words. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he, he, he comes from that also, like, Bear Bryant's big thing was, you know, when, when you, you, you are hard on them on the field, but then you hug them on the way out. You hug them in the locker room. And that's what Bruce Arians, who, who uh, I wrote a book with, um, B.A., uh, was on Bear Bryant's last staff, and says, he always says, Coach him hard, hug him harder. And, and, and uh, that's his philosophy to today. And that's why he's uh, considered one of, you know, he's probably the most favored coaches uh, among, among players in the NFL. Um, because of his style, because of how he is, his, he will ms a player to death on the field. But he always wants to know that that player, to that he wants that player to know that he's just attacking their performance. It has nothing to do with their personality, their character, uh, who they are as a person. It just has to do like we are coaching football here, and we're going to correct whatever mistakes are are, are happening. So. Um, yeah, and I think Nick kind of falls in that same vein, and I've never heard any any uh, any any black player complain issue one complaint at all about Nick.
1: Chime in 466 ESPN or email the show Chris at HailVarsity
2: Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Lars Anderson's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Lars, a uh, couple minutes here on, on NASCAR and their decision to, uh, stop allowing the Confederate flag to be flown. Uh, that includes when, when fans resume attending races. You covered NASCAR, the premier rider for NASCAR for 15 years for Sports Illustrated. And, I mean, kind of the, the height and peak of NASCAR. Uh, what's your reaction, and how will it go over to the, the NASCAR fan base?
7: My first reaction is it's about damn time. I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. Like I always felt queasy uh, going to races with uh, my friends of color and seeing these Confederate flags. I mean, it, would, like, I, it didn't make me feel good to see that. Uh, to me, the, 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 the Confederate flag represents uh, hatred, uh, bigotry, racism, um, you know, it, it, like, everything that is bad. And, again, I'm not a Southerner, and I, and I get, like, you know, I, I've lived down in Alabama long enough uh, that, that there's this whole crowd that says it's heritage, not hate. Well, B.S. You know, uh, you talk to my buddy Trent Richardson. You you talk to other uh, um, black Black Americans, and you ask them how that flag makes them feel. That flag was representative of 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 pro slavery and. and, and and people literally who held the American flag, and, and if you flew the Confederate flag, you tried to kill people holding the American flag, all right? So uh, it, it's about time. And, 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 you know, thank goodness for Bubba Wallace, uh, who uh, I did a uh, long story on for Bleacher Report. And, and he just finally was like, enough is enough. And so he came out and was very outspoken, uh, appearing on several national shows and, that put the heat on NASCAR and this all suddenly this debate that has been going on for 15 20 years man they resolved it in about a day you know and uh, it, it's really it's really amazing it's really amazing just um, uh, the change that that one that one athlete can affect on a sport and that's what that and that's what uh, Bubba Wallace did and um, no I, I mean Hey, if it alienates fans, uh, some some hardcore racist fans, then I say adios. NASCAR's got enough problems as is. I mean, you know, their attendance is down over 50% in the last eight years. Uh, TV is down even more than that. I mean, they, they've made every single possible wrong decision uh, that you could think of in terms of managing that sport over the last uh, decade or so when it, it looked like maybe it could take over baseball for the sort of third most popular sport in the country. And um, so, I, I, no, I, I think this is going to, overall, it will be good for the sport. Uh, yeah, they might lose a fan here or there. There was a truck series driver who said that he's not going to race anymore because, um, because the Confederate flag won't be allowed at races anymore. But, you know, I'd I say don't let the door hit you too fast in the in the behind. Uh, they're just you know uh, again, uh, it's about time NASCAR joined the 21st century.
2: Lars Anderson with us, Hail Varsity Radio at Lars Anderson seventy one co-host Jay Barker show, and uh, New York Times best-selling author five times over, a professor at Alabama, a native Nebraskan. And uh, contributor to Bleacher Report. Lars, it was fun to get caught up, man. We'll uh, do this again sooner rather than later, and uh, we'll talk some more ball, man. Always appreciate chatting with you.
7: Good talking, Chris. Sorry about my uh, chatty son in the
2: no background. Hey, you're getting him groomed up. It's all right, my man.
7: <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make him into a Husker. I'm trying.
2: Good stuff from Lars Anderson. You heard a little Lincoln in the background there chirping. That was good. And, you know, kind of some, some prove it thoughts down in SEC country where Lars is at. Listen, I, and, and Lars did a great job of kind of laying out what, what Sabin inherited at Alabama. Alabama's always had talent. Okay. Alabama's always had some pretty high-profile dudes. They just, at times, didn't get the hires right. They just didn't. I mean, they, they didn't after Gene Stallings, and they didn't after Bear Bryant. I mean, did it's that pretty, pretty clear? Did that time before Nick Saban remind you of the time we have right now
0: with USC? No, USC is no, getting great players every single year. It seems like until last year, but
2: but but they didn't seem to have the coaches that could develop the talent. Do I you mean is that similar to Bama? Here's the thing: the the expectation at an SC or an or at an Alabama is you're going to get dudes at a at a further ahead starting point where they can come in and ball. All right, because you're Alabama, you're USC. And you know, I look at some of those SC teams where I mean Leinert was a I think he was a redshirt sophomore. That sound right? The year that they won the title? No the, no, the year the his starting year. Oh. But they but they won it in 04. Mm-hmm. I mean they won it in 04. And he wasn't even the highest profile quarterback that they that they brought in. But Reggie Bush maybe saw some time but didn't start as a freshman. Lendale White didn't start as a freshman, okay? What listen and, and I know you're sick of hearing this as a Nebraska fan, but Lars talked about the toughness that Bama kinda had to develop. You had the talent. You didn't necessarily have the toughness. I think you're you're working on getting a team full of tough dudes. Now into year three, that's more and more in lockstep with the staff and the head coach. I mean, if the last two years have shown us
0: anything, it's that Scott Frost has had to develop the talent and the toughness.
2: Yeah, you've not been just loaded with, with excessive amounts of talent. And we won't know because you've had some attrition of that talent. And it's also a style. What you can recruit and did get here in Lincoln under the Riley era, I think could probably win a lot of ball games in the pac 12 not so much in the Big Ten. I mean, it is stylistic. It, it, it just is. So, I, I think it's great to, to want a year three type breakthrough for Nebraska. And I think they're moving towards that. It's just not on the same level of, A, being able to recruit down in Alabama. And, B, I think what you probably walked into. That's not a cop-out. That's not making excuses. That's my 1,000% honest analysis. Now, you need to make chicken salad. All right? Or you need to make the the, the best beef stew there is. Because <laughs> you, you do have some ingredients there. They need to be better in close games. They need to be better with game management. They do. And they'll be the first to tell you that. Nebraska does. But it's not... It's more of, okay, Shula, to me, was underachieving at Alabama with talent, all right? And he had Sean Alexander, and then, bang, they're on probation. (laughs) Uh, I don't know that my—I think Mike Riley underachieved his first year for sure at Nebraska. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In 2015, that's a 10-win football team. Got nine wins with a lot of those same kids. His second year— and kind of his show year three, you know where they were at, and a lot of those kids were thrown in to play as freshmen. They weren't redshirting or developing. I mean, evidently you know, Frost has redshirted a ton of guys, and I think that's going to pay off. We'll wind down Friday next. Miss us?
1: Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time, Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel. Hope you're uh, heading off to a Fantastic weekend. Weekend edition tomorrow morning. And that is six straight days of me. And are you in tomorrow? Of course. All right. Wouldn't miss it for the world. 7 a.m. We will uh, kickstart your weekend with the weekend edition. Kranak is on assignment. I love the man like a brother. I am not going to pull a Seinfeld Keith Hernandez. I am not helping him uh, relocate. Not going to do it. But that's a Seinfeld reference. Have you uh you watch Seinfeld, don't you? Caught a couple episodes. Okay, here and there. so what you need to do have you seen Goodfellas yet? I've seen Goodfellas. What what what's the movie you haven't seen that I can't believe? Oh, uh what was it? Oh, uh, it was Conan the Barbarian, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah, that's still an issue. I saw and,
0: I, I saw the one on Amazon one day. Uh, it, it was like I had a, the option to watch it for free and I I went on the free. Maybe maybe that's this
2: weekend? Probably not. No, maybe. don't don't waste no, your time. No, Spotify's with this weekend. <laughs> <You're> right. <laughs> Spotify's, <laughs> Spotify's been on the to-do list since twenty nineteen. It's okay. Check the podcast out though. That'll get posted at Get to iTunes. of course, uh, Elijah does a great job of posting up the uh, on-demand. Great conversation, two-parter with Lars Anderson. Lars spent uh, 15 years the premier rider in the country for NASCAR. And uh, some great takes on, finally, the Confederacy flag going goodbye. Lars, also some thoughts on Frost and uh, Nebraska. Mark Crail is the uh, coach at Los Gatos. He is Will Schweitzer's head football coach, so we chatted with him. Bill Dolman, phenomenal as always. Bill is 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 going to make that. Uh, <laughs> this sounds horrid, but all the time he's spent in front of the camera on the mattress will pay off. Mm. <laughs> Billy D selling slinging some mattresses and, and doing sports. Good 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 thoughts uh, from Billy D on Nebraska. And, uh, really enjoyed catching up with. Aaron Sorensen. So we'll figure out who the ri- the Rewind is tomorrow. A lot of candidates this week. And uh, tomorrow, Brandon Vogel and uh, our old boy Sharpie. And uh, then we'll be back at you Monday. Pretty fired up about Monday because Mike Riley will be with us. Our friend from the Chicago Tribune. Uh,
0: so it's Mike Riley, but no, not that Mike not Riley. Not that Mike Riley.
2: Yeah. This is Mike Riley from the uh, the Average Joe Sports Show Mafia Days. Uh, about 15 years ago with uh, Billy D. And uh, Riles covered the Cubs during and around the home run chase. So we're going to spend a lot of time on the Sosa McGuire. Coach McBride will be with us. So that is all good and uh, plenty for you tomorrow. Plans tonight, what do you got going? Uh... I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm just, what do you got
0: locked in i don't think much might finish up uh the last episode of the last kingdom i we've been waiting on it me and my roommate nah. trying to you know it, it's it's how lo- yeah, it's gonna be gone for like a couple of months you know before the next season so you gotta you gotta enjoy it now
2: i'm gonna figure out a way to return the furniture set my wife purchased oh i also uh this weekend i gotta
0: watch the new pete davidson movie yeah that looks all Dude right Apatow. I've, I've heard good things about that so that's that's on the docket for this weekend
2: good enough talk to you tomorrow morning weekend edition at seven take care